Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Podriplegics podcast. And my phone's ringing. Sorry. <laughs> it's always something, Sean. It always is something. Almost every single episode. All those girlfriends calling. Well, you know, it, it's hard out here for a pimp. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try to start that right over. Or you want me to yes. keep rolling? <laughs> no, you know, just keep rolling. That's fine. All right, fine. You know, uh, this is this is all stuff nobody cares about, anyways. But hey, I'm just kidding. You know, we always have to mention our sponsors, the Arizona Spinal Cord Injury Association. That is azspinal.org. We thank you so much, by the way. Um, phone number is 602-507-4209. Call Eric. Eric loves them late night phone calls, as I tell you every time. 3 a.m.s, the 4 a.m.s, you know he loves them. Call him, ask him anything. doesn't matter what it is. You can ask him what color you want to paint your walls. He'll answer your questions for you. Um, this podcast can be found on YouTube and on Facebook or also uh, audio versions on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, azspinal.org forward slash podcast um and yeah derek derek i, I combined your names you like that <laughs> derek derek over there no don eric and myself have 100 plus years of living with a disability but we are not medical professionals i repeat we are not medical professionals we are only here to share our stories and offer any insight that we have through our years of living with a disability. So if you are having medical issues, please contact your doctor and or 911. Um, there will be mature language, mostly from Don. He can't control himself. And uh, mature content at some point, at some times. Uh, so don't sue us. Again, if you're going to sue anybody, sue Eric. He's got all the monies except for our new guest, our special guest today, Mr. Need for Speed, Corbin Bue, who looks like he's got tons of money sitting there in this garage full of sweet cars, Viking himself, Mr. Corbin Bue. Let's get started with the show. Corbin, thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Well, no problem. I mean, it's, it's our, it, you know, we're happy to have you and it's our honor to have you. You are a very special individual. You have uh, some accomplishments that Eric, Don, Don and Eric have been dying to talk about. So Eric, I don't know if you want to fire all of them off or Don go, you can go right ahead. Oh, go Don. Go ahead. Eric. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I've known Corbin for a long time. He's a fellow cheese head. Oh, we're, we're both from Wisconsin, yeah, and uh, yeah, we, but we both made a smart yeah, move to Arizona. But, uh, I'm going to take this off now, okay? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you have to listen. Okay, Don, Don, you already lost our first guest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> took them 10 seconds to run away. <laughs> Corbin's a man of many hats, as you see. Uh, he, uh, he, well, I mean... I'm just so impressed with everything he does. He can build anything. Um, he's one of those people that just has that knack and talent to be able to build, build, and design. So I've always been so impressed with that and uh, some of the 
creations he's made. Um, Eric, you want to tell him about the sports accomplishments you got? Well, um, you went to the Paralympics in sled hockey, correct? I did. And uh, what year was that that you went? Was I was on the, the, the first U.S. team that went in 1998 to Nagano, Japan. 1998. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> what, how'd you guys do when you went? Uh, we didn't fare too good. We were still a fairly new uh, team on the international level. And uh, the first game kind of caught us by surprise. We were, you know, uh, had the jitters and everything like that. And that kind of threw us under the bus and the, you know, into a different bracket and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, we didn't fare out too well. At that time, the Scandinavian teams had been playing together for, you know, decades before, um, you know, because it started, it's the sled hockey started, you know, over there. And um, so it was a relatively young team uh, for uh, for the U.S. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, when it's that young, it's that's tough. Now, yeah. you, know, you know, you could have just went up to Canada. I mean, they live, breathe, and eat hockey. I mean, they must oh, have yeah. sled hockey all over there, huh? Do oh, they yeah. have a, Do they have a sled hockey team up there? Oh yeah, they have. That's Canada and the U.S. Right now are the are the two biggest contenders uh, at every tournament. Wow. It's usually usually ends up being a final between Canada and the U.S. And the U.S. Okay. has won, I believe, the last number of years uh, in a row. Uh, I think there are three three Paralympic golds in a row, um, uh, two or three, three I think. And then um, all the World Championships now have gone to the U.S. Uh, the last time I played uh, was uh, 2007, I believe. That's a long time ago wow. uh, on the national team. And then. Um, and then I helped start the Coyote sled hockey team here in town, uh, but retired from coaching and playing on that um, probably about five, six years ago. Okay. And, uh, you know, just been enjoying, you know, the new, the new hobby. I want to talk a tiny bit more about the sled hockey because there might be people who are listening to this that are newly injured that don't really know a lot about, you know, sports for, for the, for the dis disabled. So when you talk about sled hockey, you're talking about exactly what? Uh, so we play on a, an adaptive piece of equipment that's about three inches off the ice and it's actually on ice hockey blades. And, uh, and we have two sticks in our hands that are about 30 inches long. Uh, we have a, a right hand stick and a left hand stick. They have the curves, uh, right hand curve, left hand curve. Um, and uh, there's kind of like the tip of a figure skate in the other end. So you dig that in the ice to propel ourselves. And then you lean on one blade to turn. Um, and then it's, it's full contact on a regulation rinks. Um, all the rules are exactly the same, except for instead of 20 minute, uh, or instead of um, quarters, there's 20 minute halves. So it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's split up in just two parts instead of, instead of, sorry, instead of three periods, I, for some reason I had basketball on the, on the brain. So instead of, instead of, uh, three periods, there's just, um, no, there's, there's still three periods, but instead of 20 minute periods, there are 15 minute periods. Wow. Basketball yeah. was totally, I was totally like four quarters and everything like that. What kind of hockey player am I? No worries. Yeah. And how does that work for like, um, you know, like do you guys still do like line changes and, and shifts and, and stuff. Yeah. Like so that? a lot of, 
a lot of the, uh, the bigger events, like the international events and the national events and everything like that, will actually modify the bench areas and either bring a ramp up or the bench areas no step into it. So the doors can open and then they put down synthetic ice, like plastic sheets inside the bench area. And then they put plexiglass, clear plexiglass along the boards so we can see the ice um, and everything. So you can skate right into one door and somebody skates out the other door for a line change. Um, wow. That's cool. If they don't have that, basically the whole team sits right on the ice, right out, right outside the bench area. And then that's basically a gentleman's sport of, uh, you know, not having uh, the, the puck go into that area or whatever, or if the puck is going that way, we just put our stick down and deflect it out. You know, we don't catch it and pass it to somebody or anything like that. But. Sure. Looks like you still have all your teeth, Corbin. Do they, do they get in fights like a regular hockey team? I've been in a couple. Um, yeah, I've been in a couple. More of them have been in a, a well, the, the most memorable one was in a bar in, um, oh. where was that? That makes sense. I think it was in Canada, but it was with the, with the Canadian in a bar. Uh, Canadians fight? Yeah. yeah, we were both, uh, we were both a little, a little tipsy and it, it uh, escalated kind of quickly and it was just a couple hits and he was down, so. <laughs> yeah, you got you got you got a set of pipes on you too, if I remember right. Yeah, he's so he's wicked can, with basketball too, by the way. Where can somebody check out if they're interested in trying to find out like where they could play locally or where they could play nationally? I mean, is there like a, a website or something that they could go to and look for that stuff? So you can probably go on the USA Hockey website and and search that honestly i haven't looked for a while uh locally here in phoenix there's a team the phoenix coyote sled hockey team and you can probably find that on facebook find all the information you want on that um i haven't been involved with it for a while so um uh so i'm not really sure um but uh you can probably just look stuff up in your local area in in um in the local areas wherever you are so I found a site. It's uh, www.usahockey.com forward slash sled hockey. There you go. So cool. Corbin, I know you're not coaching hockey anymore. Are you still coaching track and field or any other coaching I, sports? I, I coach nothing right now. Okay. Um, yeah, all yeah, I coach nothing right now. In fact, uh, 2016 – um, I think that was the last that, well, that was the first time it was the, I, so I retired completely from coaching in 2016, but I went to Rio to watch the Paralympics. Um, I had a, a, a handful of friends that were competing in different sports. Um, the triathlon, uh, track, uh, track and field, um, athletes that I had coached in the past were competing. Um, and it was it was very, it was a very strange event for me because it was the first time since 1989. So just before I graduated high school. Um, so it was, it was the first time since 1989 that I was at a sporting event and I wasn't competing or coaching. So I actually kind of felt lost because 
all of a sudden I had no schedule to follow. All I had to do was be, all I had to do was watch people do stuff and not give any advice or any, cool anybody down or do anything. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was a very strange feeling, but it's uh, very enjoyable. Um, I really like going and, and still supporting my friends that still compete and everything like that. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, but I'll tell you what it is. It's strange because having been on the, on the, you know, national and international competitive scene in, in so many sports for so long, it's very strange to go to an event and not have to do anything. So I do have one more question for you. And I know we want to get into the Dakar stuff and everything that you're doing, but I think it's important, you know, for, for people who are looking for something and maybe lost and, and how, how, so how did sports help you, you know, kind of develop who you are or, or, or how you feel about inclusion as far as life and in a chair and all those different things. I mean, did it help you with that? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm a unique, I think I'm a unique in, uh, case as far as that goes. Um, because at first it really, really, really hurt me. Um, uh, it was something that I, I didn't even consider. In fact, uh, in fact, I wanted to die. Um, I was a nationally ranked triathlete and a track runner and cyclist uh, before my accident. So when my accident happened, you know, I was being looked at by some, you know, major brands and stuff like that for sponsorships to, to be the next Olympian. And I mean, I was running a mile. I was in the top 10 mile runners in the country. I was you know, a whole bunch of stuff. So when my accident happened in uh, 1992, I was at the peak. I had just uh, was in the Navy, um, just gotten out of the Navy. I was search and rescue in the Navy, doing triathlons on national level, um, doing this stuff. So when my accident happened, I thought basically my life was over because um, I, had, I had this plan of, hey, all of a sudden I'm going to be a sponsored athlete. I'm going to be a pro athlete. And I had all those grand plans of, you know, making the money and running and being able to, you know, make money doing, doing what I love doing. Um, and, you know, when my accident happened and I woke up enough that I realized that that stuff wasn't going to happen anymore, I didn't want to do anything. Um, I literally didn't want to do a thing. Um, and the recreational therapist at the University of Wisconsin, um, medical center in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, she showed me this ma a magazine called sports and spokes. And, um, and I saw that and I saw, uh, I saw the guys in racing wheelchairs and hand cycles and, yep. you know, Good doing job. all sorts of stuff and, and everything. And, um, I probably saw Eric swimming cause he, he had, he competed in the Paralympics just before, just before my accident, right? 88. Right. Uh, 92 92 oh 92 so you were in barcelona yeah i was in barcelona so yeah. so i was actually on the on the long list for able-bodied mile runners for barcelona and you really? were competing and you competed in the paralympics of barcelona so so yeah so i saw that kind of stuff and um and one of the things that i saw also almost at the same time was that the barcelona olympics were on the olympics were on tv when i was in the hospital and i saw the kayaking and all of a sudden it just clicked in my head. I was like, you can't even see their legs. Right. I'm going to do that. So I just went, 
I went balls out and I was down at PT twice a day. They couldn't get it. I couldn't get enough of it. And then I saw the sports and spokes and I told my rec therapist, I said, Hey, I'm going to be in that magazine. And, uh, you know, she pulled my reins back a little bit and said, Hey, Hey, Whoa, wait a second. You know, this is, this sports and spokes thing is a serious thing. This is like the sports illustrated of adaptive sports. So you really got to be at the top of your, of whatever you're doing to, you know, to make it in that magazine and everything like that. And, uh, um, I've been in it a handful of times now, uh, for I think five, five or six different sports and, uh, stuff like that. And do you send uh, a copy to your, your old therapist? I have, yeah. I actually yeah, went back and, I actually went back and gave, I think the first three copies that I, three issues that I was in for different sports, um, I used to, every time I went back to Wisconsin, I used to go up there and visit them. Uh, they're all retired now, so I, I don't do that anymore. But I used to go back and give them uh, a copy of the magazine and so, everything. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun. So I just want to point out something. You're an all, you're an all around sportsman because I mean, you, you didn't just do sled hockey, my friend. Um, you did basketball, you did fencing, you've, I, you've done skiing. I mean, have you, swimming? Swimming was a thing for you too? I, I, have, I have not competed in swimming. Um, okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still a, a fairly good swimmer. Um, I, can, I can swim distances. And every, that, was, that was my strong point because I was search and rescue in the Navy. So oh, I could yeah. tread water for a long, long time. Um, and the triathlons that I did before my accident, you know, was, were distance open water, um, everything like that. But I've, I've never competed in swimming um, at all. Um, but I, I enjoy it and I enjoy kayaking. Uh, I was lucky enough to work for an organization here in Arizona for 15 years, uh, Arizona Disabled Sports. And I coached, I think I coached just about every single program they had. So I was a basketball coach. I was track and field coach, uh, um, skiing when they do the downhill skiing thing, I go up there and, and help teach skiing, um, what we would do is as the people were going up the lift, I would time it and ski underneath them and their instructor would be on the lift with them, showing them what I'm doing. So they got an idea of, of what they needed to do going down the hill. Um, with, with AZ Disabled Sports, um, that's a para, uh, Paralympic certifi- certified uh, site, isn't it? I mean, don't- It think is, it, it, it is now. I was, um, I was, I was around when that, when that became a thing. Um, okay. So yeah, it's Paralympic sport. Uh, organization you know I, I, I kind of want to dig in a little bit more on what you said before of the feeling of worthlessness right like that yeah. feeling that you had after your accident um, were, were sports the the only the only outlet for you I mean was there was there ways that you maybe could give advice to other people to other people maybe who are going through that right now of how they could, you know, they could find their own way to work through that feeling. Cause I know I've felt it and I'm sure maybe, you know, a lot of, I mean, I'm sure everybody else feels it too, you know? And, and, and so I'd like to hear your take on that. Right. So sports, sports played a big, a big role in, in being able to come back. So uh, the local basketball team in Madison, Wisconsin, one of the guys from the team came to the hospital and, and became my mentor. Um, 
and he would actually come to the hospital while I was, I still had the TLSO on. So I had a brace from my waist to my neck. Uh, and I had a cast on my left hand because my thumb was ripped off in my accident also. Um, but he would come to the hospital and got permission to take me to basketball practice. And I couldn't transfer into a car or anything like that. And he had a Ford Explorer. So he would get in the car and grab the bottom of my TLSO from his seat. And he would, he would curl me up into the, into the passenger seat from the driver's <laughs> side. And then he would get back out and put my chair in the back. And then he'd get back in and put his chair in the, in the back seat and take me to basketball practice. So you were his cross train? Um, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, he, so he would do that. And, uh, and it was, I, I mean, that was, that was huge for me. And then, so for me, sports was a, a great direction to go. And after I started playing sports and got out of the hospital and started doing that and started riding bikes and, uh, doing racing wheelchairs and, uh, doing marathons and, and five K's and all, all. In, you know, in fact, I did every single race, every single triathlon, every single biathlon, duathlon, road race. I did every single one that I did able-bodied the summer of 1992. I did all of those in the summer of 1993. Every single one of them. <laughs> um, so it was, it was one of those things where that was, that was a good outlet for me because I was, I was able to get equipment to be able to participate in those things again. One of the things that I've learned uh, after retiring and having some injuries and stuff like that is picking up skills and being able to do and, and apply myself in, you know, whatever I can um, to the best of my ability has been, has been key. And that's one of the things that I've always uh, told all of my athletes, um, do things with purpose. Um, don't just skate through life. Don't just do things. In fact, the guy that I'm helping build this white car that's right behind me, um, that one's not mine. That's, that's a guy who comes and he comes and helps me out uh, with stuff I can't reach. He's helping build the building, uh, helps with some mechanic stuff or anything like that. And I'm helping teaching him because he's in his early 20s um, and everything. But that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really trying to implement with him is, dude, don't do things don't do things half-assed, do things with purpose. Um, and you're going to, you know, he, he's got a job and I, a couple people have quit and everything like that. And I said, dude, when you do things, double check your work, do things with purpose, do things like you're proud to be doing it. Don't just do it to skate by and get a paycheck. Um, because if you do things with purpose, one thing that paycheck's going to go up because they're going to see that and they're, and they're going to do that. It's just like with my day job and everything like that, they see that every year. And my paycheck goes up every year. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things in life. You should just do things with purpose and find, find something that you're passionate about and do that and do that to the best of your ability. And, and you're, it doesn't matter what your ability is, do it to the best of your ability. Um, you know, all, I, I know all three of you guys, um, you know, I've, I've come across all three of you guys in public speaking, um, I've known Don for way too long. And, uh, you know, known Eric for a while too. And all three of you guys do that. You all, all, all three of you guys exemplify that. Um, and that's, that's, you know, by example of creating this podcast and everything like that. And that's a, just an incredible thing to bring to the community. 
the disabled community, the able-bodied community, the, the entire community. So that's, that's the reason why we did it because, you know, we have a, we have to stick together as a community to support each other, to, you know, know that there's more after, you know, that there's more that we can create every day. Right. Yeah. So Don, I know you can weigh in on this too, because yeah. you as an early intervention core intervention in whatever coordinator, they, you've told everybody. This <laughs> right. <laughs> you 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 probably run across this all the time too right yeah um I, as corbin said and, and as you mentioned i think you know after an onset of a disability it is a shock you know it's like for many people you got to go through those the stages of grief you know you might not go through all of them but for everybody it's a huge life change and um i think finding that purpose that whatever it is, in Corbin's case, it was sports, um, is key to getting over that, you know, to, to adapting to the new lifestyle, the new you. And, uh, you know, Corbin exemplifies hard work and determination and getting into sports. For some people, maybe a higher level injury, there might not be the same options with sports, you know. Um, so it could be something else. It could be, um, intellectual pursuits, you know, going to school, getting a degree, or it could be art. Um, you know, I know people that get really into creating, um, you know, it could be stage acting or something like that. So there's, uh, there's other options that people need to be aware of. But um, I think what Corbin said about living your life with purpose is, is absolutely spot on. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that you were there to say that Corbin. You know, we see it behind you, all the projects you've got going on there. Um, yeah. It's pretty amazing on all the things you've created over the years. Do you, so, uh, yeah, so let's, let's get into that. I mean, you know, the, the, we got some of, the, uh, some, of the, some of the stuff out of the way already, and now we can get into the things that, you, that, you're, that you're so passionate about. You are a mechanic and a, a rally car driver, and, I mean – I'm sure your list of accomplishments go on and on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the things behind you, the cars and, and what it is like that you do with all of them. And yeah. Okay. Just let us know. Yeah. So when I retired from sports, uh, you know, uh, coaching and everything like that about four or five years ago, um, I was looking for something to do. Um, so about 20 years ago, um, I, when I moved out to Phoenix uh, a little over 20 years ago, um, I had a little Honda CRX and I met some people. We made it into a race car and I did these autocross races in my spare time when I wasn't playing basketball. I was playing basketball for the Phoenix Suns and the U.S. sled hockey team at the same time. And then once a month, I would go race my little car. Uh, around a parking lot with cones and stuff like that. And it was just a blast. And I've, I grew up with sports cars with my dad. Uh, we had, you know, my dad had Porsches, uh, you know, 912, Austin Healy's, Triumph Spitfire, um, uh, Saab Sonnets. You know, he had all that kind of stuff growing up. So I was always around these little uh, foreign sports cars. And I always wanted to build one for myself. Um, and my dream was an MG Midget. I've wanted an MG midget for since I was eight years old. 
um, and uh, just one of my favorite cars. And um, and then after my accident and everything like that, I was like, well, MG Midget only came in a in a manual transmission. So I was like, well, that's going to be really tough because at the time they didn't have any hand controls in the United States for manual transmissions. Now you can get them, but they're they're still kind of wonky. Um, so I fell in love with the rotary engine that's in these cars behind me. These are all Mazda, uh, Mazda RX-7s, and they have the rotary engine. So it's got a rotor kind of like the shape that's on my shirt. Um, and uh, so I discovered that the rotary engine and the automatic transmission from one of these Mazdas here fits in a MG Midget. Um, oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> so I have... I have three MG mid, well, two MG midgets and an Austin Healey Sprite uh, right outside this building, uh, waiting to come in to to get the transformation and get restored and everything like that to be a um, my just my little cruiser. They're just going to be car show, uh, car show cars, um, wow, and everything like that. So you guys will see those, uh, you know, coming up in the in probably in the next year. Uh, at least one of them will be ready. Now you're taking but, uh, adaptive driving to a whole nother a whole nother level. With what yeah so that's one of my things is is um is so i teach wheelchair skills classes and one of the things is uh, is driving and vehicles and stuff like that and you get into i don't know if you guys can hear that helicopter but the, the, there's a helicopter flying over my place right now so hold they're, they're probably looking for me so don't tell them you know where i'm at all right? okay <laughs> uh i live just south of the deer valley airport so they're the, the police helicopter that's going over there to refuel so in probably about 20 minutes they're going to come back uh <laughs> you probably live right down the street from me oh yeah i'm at like i'm at around 15th avenue in grovers um oh, yeah okay go ahead anyways but uh but anyway so one of the things that i that i loved is when i had that little honda crx is that you know i was driving a little car that i want and one of the things that a lot of people um kind of get roped into is that no matter what their disability is, um, is that they have to be, they have to have a van or they have to have an SUV or they have to have a pickup truck. And yeah, I'll admit that those things, I, I've got an SUV, I've got two SUVs. Um, and those things are awesome for carrying equipment and everything like that. Um, but I'm also working on uh, one of these MGs I think is spoken for, for someone who is going to try to get a power chair in it. So I'm actually going to make a convertible that some, a power chair can go into. Um, it'll, it'll be a similar system to what Don's um, element has. Uh, so you'll be able to go into a sub floor and everything like that and drive it. Um, uh, Carmen, I'm, I'm working on designs on, on stuff like that, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, these little sports cars and stuff like that, a lot of people think that those are just unobtainable, you know, pipe dreams uh, for some people, uh, you know, that for adaptive driving and everything like that. But I've got, you know, uh, like I'm, okay, so one of the things I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, um, I'm, I'm working on starting an adaptive performance driving uh, program where it's going to be similar to what happens down at Bondurant uh, every year with, uh, people get rides and you can drive a, you know, a car or whatever, but I'm going to have a fleet of about four or five cars. I've got a, um, Mazda Miata, a Toyota MR2, 
a Honda CRX and a handful of Mazda RX-7s. So people basically can, if you fit in the car and you can, uh, and you can drive it, you can drive it in one of these events like an autocross event or a rally cross event. Um, they're controlled, uh, controlled events, closed courses. You're not wheel to wheel. You're out there by yourself, but you can, you can push the car and yourself to your limits, to the limits um, and everything like that. So I'm building up these cars to be able to do that and, um, and offer rides. Uh, other people that my racing friends and everything like that have, have said that they can, uh, people can ride with them on a lap or something like that. And uh, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to incorporate that into my new, um, you know, my new lifestyle of auto sports and uh, building these cars and everything. So the instructor comes out in you yet again. <laughs> uh, I guess so, yeah. You got that coaching gene, whatever that is. <laughs> right. That's so cool though, Corbin. I, I think that's a great project. You know, it'll, it'll be fun. Corbin, one of the things that um, I don't think people understand is when they say, when you said, I have an SUV, what they don't understand is you have an SUV that has a lift that, that can get you to the top of your SUV, to the roof of your SUV. People don't right. understand that. <laughs> that's, yeah, so pretty, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a while ago, I don't have that installed on, on the Suburban right now, uh, but I've had... Uh, trucks with rooftop tents and an 80 inch linear actuator that's basically an external elevator so i sit on that and it yeah. takes me all the way up to the, it takes me eight feet up in the air and uh and everything so we're working on a, on a way of mounting that on the suburban so i can have that same system up there and, and um, you made that didn't you 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 put that together you made that happen for that vehicle is that correct right i designed the whole thing yeah i did yeah i mean that's what amazes me you are a fabricator you're a designer you're you you push the edge of what it what it is to have a disability you know i mean i mean you just you're doing things that you know i i don't see regular people doing you know what i mean <laughs> i mean it it, it 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 it's it's in who you are more than what you are you know what i mean you're you're making it happen and you're doing I, I consider that very respectable, extraordinary things. Are you, I, I, I like I like to have fun, and that's fun. Yeah, exactly. Corbin, are you still doing the camping trailers? The, the you know that tow behind uh, camping. Well, yeah, thing? I actually um, I've I've actually been contacted recently to be commissioned to build another one of those. Um, but yeah, I've I helped I helped a company start with building off-road camping trailers um, and then left them and to, to pursue my own thing. And then uh, as a fabricator and everything with my own shop and everything like that. And then, um, and then went to work at another shop to help teach fabricating skills and everything like that. And then they basically kind of abruptly closed the department that I was in down without telling anybody. And I was told, oh, by the way, next weekend is the last time you can work out of here. And uh, so I had to find, um, I had to find something else quickly. Um, Cause I was making, uh, to make, to make money, I was making um, gates, like 18, 16, 18, 20 foot gates for condo complexes. Mm. And that was paying all my bills and everything like that to support all the hobbies um, and, uh, and everything. And uh, when I lost that place of being able to do that, 
um, is when I went and found the job that I'm at now. In fact, today, it ended up being a Facebook memory um, that today is the day that I was hired five years ago um, in the job that I'm working at right now. Um, my day, the day job that helps, helps to afford to be able to do all this kind of stuff. So I got a quick question for you. I just recently started getting into the motorsports myself. Uh-huh. Uh, I, uh, I have a, I just, I have a Can-Am Maverick RT turbo. Nice. And I have hand controls put in it. They're already in there and everything. But my problem, my issue is getting from my chair into there. Now, are there are there any ways that you know of, or is it something that would have to be fabricated by somebody like you to ha- to to help get into something like that to make uh, it easy? Yeah. No. So it de- it depends. So I would I would meet with you and find out what your what your requirements are, what you what you would want. Would you do you want a way of being able to get in and out of it uh, remotely, or are you going to get in it like near the same trailer all the time? Get in and out of it near the same trailer, or are you going to get in and out of it? Like, are you going to drive it somewhere and then get it out of it and get in your chair and then do no? Something? Usually, I get in it and then I ride it for you know however many hours you know or, or drive it and take it out through trails and all those different things and then come back the same spot yeah. that I got into it. Yeah, so basically we'd probably just do uh, like a, a simple uh, little boom lift off the corner of the trailer uh, that you use or something like that. So then, who, uh, you know, whoever's getting it off the trailer for you or whatever, however you get it off the trailer. Um, and I have, a, I have a way of do, being, I have a way that you'd be able to do that independently also um, with a, a dual winch system. Um, is you'd be able to use the winch to pull it off the trailer and use a winch to pull it on the trailer. Um, I've done that with my race cars where I've, I've been able to load and unload my cars myself. Um, and, uh, but then we just do a little Corbin will figure it out. I said, if there's a way to do something, Corbin will figure it out. He's (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just do a little, uh, like a little boom crane, uh, off the, you know, probably like the front corner of the, of the trailer or something like that. So your car would just be pulled up there and we'd just float you in the air and, and drop you into the seat. Well, I'll tell you what, you might be having a job coming your way. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> because uh, awesome. I love, I think it, I, I think that it's so fun. I didn't realize how much fun motorsports were. I never was really that much of a motorsports person before my accident, nor have I had been up until this summer when I first, this is when I first got it. And I, I mean, when I, when I started driving it, I could not believe the feeling of independence and the thrill and the, uh, just being out in the, in, in the open and on trails. I mean, unbelievable, the thrill. And, and now I'm, I'm hooked. I'm addicted. I want to ride. I want to learn how to do everything. I want to learn how to do rally courses. I want to learn how to do, all that stuff. So I'm coming to see you for sure. All right. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's amazing how, how much uh, it's, <clears throat> I really refrain from, from using the phrase normal because 
all four of us are normal. Um, this is. I don't know about me, but whatever. <laughs> I guess that's true. But uh, there's there's one thing where let's go with instead of saying normal, let's say level the playing field. Yeah. Okay. So when I get into a rally car and I'm sitting at the start line of the rally and and I'm the only guy driving with hand controls and everything like that, it you know what? Nobody cares. Everybody's looking at me as a as a contender. And the rallies, the rallies that I've been able to finish, I've podiumed. I've, I've gotten on the podium. I've taken second and third place. Um, so <laughs> that sounds awesome. You know, it's, it's one of those things where when I get in the rally car, it's, I'm, I'm in a race car. You're in a race car. I'm in a race car. Everyone's in a race car. You get a race car. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Oprah there for a second, but, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, I mean, it really is an incredible feeling, but the feeling isn't really, Hey, I'm disabled and I'm doing something and everything like that. It's like, dude, I'm in a freaking race car. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, that's the same. It's the same feeling for this kid, Chris, that's building this white car behind me. And the same feeling that I get when I get in that zebra striped car, that's right next to his and stuff like that. We both get into those cars and we're both in race cars. Let's it's on, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's go time. You know, let's do it. I, I feel like that feeling of, of of the first time I got in there and I was driving it and I looked down and I realized I was doing 105 miles an hour and an open air just blazing on you. And it was like, holy smokes, like how is this something that I've never experienced before in my life? And I'm telling if you've never done it, come go, definitely go, go see Corbin on his course because it is exhilarating. It is so fun, and I'm going to tell you, it's super addicting. It's super oh, yeah. addicting. Corbin, I'm going to have to get over there because I, I, my blood my blood is heating up just talking about this, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Corbin, do you have any rallies on the schedule? Are there any coming up? Um, I, I'm waiting until next year. Um, so I'm, I'm building another car, and the car behind me is going to be um, – a, like a, I'm going to call it a program car. So that's going to be a loaner car uh, for other people to be able to do that. And what I'd really like to do is I would really like to find somebody, find a talent um, that could go out and, and possibly do a stage rally. Um, right. So, you know, if I have a couple cars that are going to be legal for stage rally, I'm, I, I've got no problem if somebody wants to, you know, pony up some registration fee or do something like that. Uh, Zebra built will, uh, will, you know, sponsor the car and, uh, and we'll, we'll go to an event with two cars. Okay. Um, so I got to ask the unaskable here, but, uh, what if you get wrecked? Like what if it wrecks? If like, if, like, like if you if were to drive, if you're driving and you crash into the wall or, you know, you do some of that craziness, where you know that could happen <laughs> it can happen but the cars have full cages um so they're full roll cage cars uh so any any uh, well the races that people will be able to do and come borrow the cars are closed course uh they're they're the courses are designed to not go over like 50 60 miles an hour um because you have to turn and they're the the track is about a minute minute and a half long um, something like that. So is they're it, about turning. Is it ramped? Is it a ramped? Um, is the circuit ramped? You know, like the, uh, 
Is it at no, these are open are bank turn? What? A bank, a bank turn. turn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, um, so the the autocross is basically in a huge parking lot and the course is laid out with cones. Oh so before okay. the event you go and you and you you know you go through the course and you find out what you have to do and then you drive the car as quickly through that course as possible. Oh uh, okay. Rally cross is the exact same thing in dirt. So it's just a you know, slightly different setup on the car, but basically a lot of guys go out there with their daily drivers and you can do that. And you could come out there with your daily driver. Um, uh, in fact, there's an event, I think not this weekend, but the following weekend, uh, just south of town. If anybody wants to go down and watch, I can get the information out to people. Um, I'll, I'll put it on my Facebook page or something. And then, um, I don't know when the next autocross event is, but you know, uh, I think people are able to go spectate stuff now. I, maybe I'm speaking too soon, but, uh, I'll put, I'll put the dates and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, uh, COVID racing is, is, has been uh, quite exciting. Um, but you know, as far as like the rallies go and everything like that, I, I had just planned on, building either building another car or we're doing something to um, sort out the transmission issues. Uh, Cause the motors that I'm building are just going through the stock Mazda trans automatic transmissions um, left and right. I've blown like three automatic transmissions. Mm. Um, so we're putting a really heavy duty uh, Chevy turbo 350 transmission in one uh, seeing how that handles. It's one that they drag race with. So it should, should be fine. Um, but well, look, I know, I know we're, uh, we're probably running on, running on time. Um, I wanted to make sure before this time was over that I give you any opportunity to maybe plug some of the things, where can they find you? Where can they find some of the stuff that you're doing and where can people contact you if they are interested in, in any of this stuff. I mean, this is awesome and cool, super cool stuff. So where can they contact you at and find you at? So I got to get better at the, at the, uh, uh, Instagram yeah. thing, but <laughs> I'm on, if you look up zebra built on either Facebook or Instagram, I'm both of those things. I'm, I'm on both. Technically I'm on both of those things. I have to get a little bit better with the Instagram thing. I think there's some way of linking those up or, uh, something to where if you post on one, it automatically goes to the other. Yeah. Um, I need to do that and then, uh, you know, find that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, that's Facebook or Instagram. Corbin, uh, what's the next Corbin. magazine you're going to be in racing world or <laughs> right. I, uh, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll look for you there. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to sort out right now is I, uh, through my rallying stuff like that, I became friends with a guy that's over in Spain um, that actually races the Dakar big trucks um, and mm. with one of those things with hand controls. Uh, mm. So I'm, I'm trying to get over there to at least get a ride in that thing uh, and everything because that's, that's one of my next dreams is I'd really, like to, I'd really like to compete and finish the Dakar rally. Wow. Awesome. Well, I know I'm looking, I'm looking forward to like learning how to do that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll definitely be contacting you. I haven't been able to get my, uh, my Maverick here yet. It's still in Michigan. Um, but I'm going to be bringing it out here 
for sure at the end of next summer. And uh, nice. by then, by then I hopefully will be skilled enough to be able to take it out on those dirt tracks and do some, and do some sweet rally racing. So we should do nice. that together. They do have a side-by-side -side class. You have to have a, a different cage made for it. Uh, you can't do it with the stock cages, but they do have a side-by-side -side class at a lot of rallies. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to doing it. I know I want to compete somewhere and you just, and you just motivated me even more, man. Let's I'm do it. sure you motivated so many other people that are listening <laughs> to this, dude. You are a super cool, super cool dude. Super interesting dude. So everybody go check out Corbin at Zebra. Zebra built. Zebra built yeah. on either Facebook. Most likely Facebook is where he'll respond to you. But Instagram yeah. as well. Check him out. Super cool guy. Anybody, anybody else got anything left to give to say? No, I mean you're you're leading you're leading the march on what it is to follow your dreams even after even after being in a traumatic incident. You know, I mean you you are you're leading the charge. You know, I mean that's it's I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I just see it as living life. So just uh, if yeah. if it if it affects people, that's just a humongous bonus. But uh, realistically, I'm just I'm trying to live the life that I want to live. Well, and that's just it. You're living your, you're living your life. You're not letting people tell you what your life is. You're not succumbing to internal, the internal demons that come along with, you know, questioning yourself and your self-worth and all that stuff. I mean, of course we all deal with that, but I mean, you're definitely, you're definitely showing, you know, you're showing that you're making, you're, you're, you're being productive with what you're doing. You know, you're, you're saying, Hey, this is my purpose. I'm doing this because I want to do this. Yeah. yeah I think that's the key right there. Is it, is it, it's not about ability. It's not about disability. It's about the fact that you have something that you love and you have purpose to do it and nothing's going to stop you. And that is proven. And that is written in, in many magazines and, and <laughs> should be written in stone somewhere, my friend. <laughs> So we appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Corbin, for that energy and that motivation. Yeah. Keep it up, man. And good I, luck I really I appreciate what you guys are doing. Yeah. Thank you. Everybody, Corbin Bue. Uh, Corbin. <laughs> and this is another episode of Padre Podcast. I'm out. <laughs>